0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Good morning, church. How are you doing? Hey, why'd you guys stop? Why'd you guys stop? Come on. I mean, did did they not just unleash on us? I mean... Holy cow. Especially Nicole and Find My Battles. My goodness. My goodness. Divergent City Church is in the house. <laughs> They're going to be in wonderful hands with her leading the way, I can tell you that. If this is your first time here, either in the room with us or listening on the podcast, we are so glad you're here. We're excited that you made it today, and I get the privilege of closing out us versus them this week, and I know that we've been, God has been doing a lot of work on our hearts the last couple of weeks, hasn't he, as we've been tackling some really tough discussions. You know, Kip started us off in week one talking about the differences between the, that exist between like the church, the big C church and the world, and really challenged us very simply to just be better about loving people that are different than us. Amazing message, brother. And, and then uh, Heather challenged us last week as we looked at the differences within the Big C Church itself. And, you know, there's so many denominations and organizations and strategies and ways of doing church, and historically, that we've let all of these differences divide us to the point where we build these walls up and we create these isolated Christian kingdoms that don't really take any ground from the enemy because we're too concerned about our own isolated Christian kingdoms. My preaching to anybody here you 've all experienced this if you 've been with the church in the church more than five minutes you 've experienced this, but towards the end of her message i 'm so glad she said stuff like this. she started challenging us to think in terms of us and them instead of us versus them, and we 're going to build on that idea today and i wasn't going to say this originally, but I, I just feel like I have to um, on Tuesday night. Many of us showed up at Mission Peoria at Riverside. Yeah. And we were there to support Heather. as She preached an awesome message about Gideon, and, and Rochelle and I got to play a song that we helped write with Chris and Heather that kind of went along with the message. Um, and all of that stuff was amazing. Many of you showed up. Uh, but the coolest thing that we all experienced there was just unity in the city of Peoria and the power of that unity and vulnerability between people from a bunch of different churches. There's a lot of history. There's so much pain and heartache that exists in this city, both within the church because of things that have happened and outside the church because of things that have happened. And we got to experience some healing on Tuesday night. And we got, to, we got to continue on this path of revival that has already started and has continued to elevate to another level with stuff that happened on Tuesday, things that are happening right now in this church today and what are going to happen going forward. And so I have to really challenge you to open your eyes and ears because the Holy Spirit has given you eyes to see and ears to hear His voice and what He is doing. In this city and it is becoming painfully obvious that change is happening you just have to look around you just have to listen and if we really boil it down these differences that have existed between us and the world or between churches they've led us to build walls separating at the most fundamental level people created in the image of God from other people created in the image of God. And that better make you stop and pause. When we continue to hold on to those things that divide us, nothing changes, okay? Only more division can come from that. And who wants to sign up for more division? Like anyone? They'll suck the life right out of you as followers of Jesus, as carriers of his presence, as Peorians, hello, as carriers of his presence, we are called to break down those walls. And that sounds awesome. It's very idealistic. I won't lie to you. And some of those walls, many of those walls, walls will not ever come down all the way. All of these denominations are probably always going to exist. Political parties will probably always exist. Different news channels will always exist. Doesn't mean they're any good. It just means they're there, right? But take heart. Because just because the wall is there doesn't mean that we can't build, tear a hole in it just big enough to build a door to the other side, right? Right? That's all we need is a door to the other side. Because let's be honest, they could use our help, and we could use their help. We could. And I want to we've got to camp out on this for a little bit. I know it's a long intro, but we, we, we have to set the stage properly. We cannot just agree to disagree. It's not good enough. We can't even stop at a place where we are simply cordial with each other because we all know that half the time that's not even a real, genuine feeling anyway. We're just polite Americans, right? That, that doesn't mean anything. Real breakthrough happens when we commit to partnerships in spite of the differences and actually work together to rebuild, okay? Okay. Not everybody heard that. Real breakthrough happens when we commit to partnerships in spite of the differences and actually work together to rebuild. So this means, I'll tell you what this is not, okay? This is not us rebuilding 307 Oak over here. And those people over there, remember, we have to be very careful when we say those people. Those people over there rebuilding their little thing over there, we don't bother each other. We don't get in each other's way. Sharing parking spaces is not good enough, although it's a huge plus. (laughs) Huge plus. In Jesus' name, we pray for that. Um, (laughs) Here's what it really means. It means Church 214 partnering with people, whether they call this church home or not, whether they believe in Jesus or not. Do we pray for them and speak the truth? Yes, always. Jesus always did. But we need to be painfully aware of the fact that 99% of the time, belonging comes well before belief. It almost always comes well before belief. So as we begin to unpack this, I want to start in Matthew chapter 5. This is still the intro, believe it or not. (laughs) I'll speed up, don't worry. I will also preach, thank you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It'll be on the screen, but I encourage you to look it up on your device or on your real paper Bible. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop. Funny how that area up by Bradley in Peoria is affectionately referred to as the hilltop. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to, say that word with me, everyone, everyone in the house... Verse 16 is so important for us today. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for everyone, all to see, so that, I got to hear you, so that, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Okay, that, What is it? That's what it says, your Heavenly Father. What does it not say? It doesn't say you. It doesn't say me. It doesn't say the leadership team. It doesn't say Church 214. It doesn't say our brilliant strategies. It says your good deeds for everyone. And who gets the glory? Your Heavenly Father. Guys, at Church 214, we are called to rebuild and restore the city of Peoria, both in the spiritual and in the physical. And if we're going to do that, we will need to be the salt of Peoria. And I have, to, it's funny, this passage has always fascinated me because I have always wondered why Jesus compared us to salt. And as I meditated on this idea for the last couple of months, I, I will say that God clearly spoke to me and he reminded me that while salt is not a big deal in 2019, it was a really big deal for basically 99% of human history. OK, we're going to do a little history lesson briefly. Take a deep breath, I promise. It will not hurt, and you will survive. Even, some, even a little bit of Latin lessons, OK? During the Roman Empire, salt was used as a form of currency. Ike, help me out here. The Latin phrase, and I'm going to say it like I'm Italian, saldare. I'm gonna try to say it like an Italian. It means to give salt. Okay. Now we're gonna do. Let's. This, this should be fun. Okay. On the count of three, everyone say it like you're from Illinois, though, like you're from the Midwest. Okay. I'm not gonna help you. I'm. Gonna, I want to see how you guys interpret this. Okay. One, two, three. There you go. All right. Now, here's what's cool about that. Sal dare. It's not a huge stretch to go from saldare to the English word soldier. Roman soldiers saldare were often paid at least partially with salt. That's where we get the word soldier from. Furthermore, they were not hourly workers. They were paid a fixed amount at regular intervals, which means they were paid a salarium in Latin, which is where we get our English word salary. Now, everyone listening to Jesus at this time would have known this. Everyone within Jesus's, everyone that could hear Jesus at this time would have been well aware of the significance of salt. It was the lifeblood of the known world at the time. So Jesus compared us to salt for a reason. God also reminded me of three very powerful properties of salt, so we're going to do some science as well. I I promise you it won't hurt. There are certainly more than these three, but he showed me these three because they line up so perfectly with this series and also where we're going long-term as a church. And I have to very quickly just say, if the rest of this message interests you like at all, please, please, please do yourself a favor and go back and listen to our Amplify series from January because I am most definitely standing on the shoulders of that series and the heavy lifting that Chris Taves especially did for that so, number one, the intro is finally over, number one, property number one, salt is a preservative. Salt has been used as a preservative since before recorded history. In fact, historians would say that our ability to preserve food long-term with things like salt is one of the main drivers for us being able to develop advanced civilization to be able to go from little tribes, isolated tribes, to villages and towns and cities and countries to the advanced civilizations that we have today. Now, the summer before my seventh grade year, our family moved into this really cool house in Tremont. And uh, an older gentleman owned the house previously, before my parents bought it, and he left a few things behind. In particular, in the basement, there was this really long homemade plywood table. Shelving unit, really. And it was filled with glass jars that were covered in dust and mold. And they were filled with what looked like prehistoric black goo. (laughs) Like, I'm not joking. It might as well have been recovered from a sunken pirate ship. And uh, just completely nasty. And, And of course, we especially my brother and I, we just had to figure out what was in there, right, just for the fun of it, and don't worry, I don't have pictures, I do not have pictures, um, I'm not, I wouldn't do that to you, I promise, it was, it was really gross, but, we tried to open some of these and we and and we were successful and and we tried to figure out what used to, what the black goo used to be I think there was maybe some peaches and tomatoes and maybe some pickles, but you really couldn't tell because it was just black sludge um, and we don't really know what happened uh, we don't know how long the jars were down there um, but my best guess is that at some point the seal was compromised and some oxygen was able to seep into the jar and it caused the contents to decay and while uh, This story has very little to do with salt. It illustrates the point that what what happens when there's no preservation or when the preservation methods fail. The second law of thermodynamics, breathe, please. It's Okay. Says that systems always move from order to disorder. Unless energy is applied, and I'm going to make this really simple for you, I promise. Our bodies, every single day, whether you know it or not, your body is trying to die on you. So, yeah, there we go. One person knows. Ike knows. Your body's trying to die on you every single day. It's trying to move from order to disorder. So, what do we do? To the best of our ability, depending on how much you care, you try to get eight hours of sleep, and you try to eat healthy, and you try to work out, and you try to stay active, and that's applying energy to the system to maintain order, okay? How about this? This is not just a law of science. This is how God designed the universe to work, okay? So how about this? Apart from Jesus, our lives will always move from order to disorder. Energy needs to be applied. So We seek his presence through his word. We sing worship songs to him. We get together on Sundays and every other day of the week with like-minded believers to build each other up, to encourage each other. That's applying energy to the system to maintain order. And how about this? The city of Peoria and its people will always move from order to disorder unless energy is applied. So we don't just pray that God would rebuild the city and wait to see what happens. Now, he could definitely do it. He does not need our help. But I don't really see anywhere in the Bible where that's actually how it went down. God didn't build the temple in Jerusalem. He didn't just speak, and it appeared out of thin air. He could have, but he told Solomon to do it. After the captivity ended, he could have rebuilt Jerusalem by speaking it into existence, but he didn't. He told Nehemiah to build it, and he told King Cyrus, who was a foreigner, a pagan, who actually didn't really believe in him as the one true God, he told King Cyrus to fund it. Okay? Jesus said... In Matthew 16, he looked at Peter. He could have built the church by himself, but he didn't. He looked at Peter and he said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Energy needs to be applied. Hello? So we go and make disciples just like Jesus did. We need to act like salt and be a preservative. We need to stop the decay. We need to apply energy to the system. So how do we do that? We do what Jesus did. you got to move into the neighborhood. The message translation says in John 1, 14, it says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Luke 19 says that Jesus came to save that which was lost. He moved into the neighborhood in John 1 and in Luke 19, it says he came to save that which was lost. And we are doing just that in the physical realm with 307 Oak. Our first permanent location, a building that was falling apart as it lay empty, a building that was most recently used as a swingers club, will be rebuilt and become a house of God. We are going to apply some energy to that system. And yes, it's going to be amazing. We're going to pack the place out on Sundays. It's going to be so awesome. Awesome. We're going to open the big garage door and blast music out so the Chiefs game will have to listen to worship music instead of whatever else they're doing. Hey, it's, but that, guys, let me, please hear me. That is not the most exciting part, I promise. We will have a permanent location in the heart of the city from which we can move out into the city to apply some energy and stop the decay to bring new life, and we're going to do it by partnering with people from other churches, people from other religions, small businesses, big corporations, local government, you name it. Because what is being rebuilt in the physical will lead to rebuilding in the spiritual and vice versa. As we are rebuilt in the spiritual, we will, be, we will see opportunities and we will be empowered and enabled to rebuild in the physical too. And please hear me. Heather said something like this last week, and I'm going to reiterate it. If it leads to growth at Church 214, we're going to welcome it and celebrate it. And if it leads to growth at Riverside, we're going to celebrate it, and we're going to welcome it. It's the same energy, same energy for Divergent City, same energy for Northwoods. The list goes on, okay? Same energy. The reason we will do that is because we will have achieved success, which is at increasing awareness of the presence of Jesus in this city. That's it. So, number one, salt is a preservative. In a way, you could also write step number one. That's the first step we're going to take. Move into the neighborhood and become a preservative. Property number two, or step number two, salt adds flavor. Now, that last section makes it sound like we're this army of trailblazers and we're going to take ground for the kingdom. And make no mistake, we are going to definitely take ground from the enemy. We're going to take all of it if we can. Okay? We're going to take all of it if we can. <laughs> but here's the tension. We have to be comfortable with tension. When you go to a restaurant and you... It's a good steakhouse, so you feel brave enough to order a ribeye. Do you order a plate of salt seasoned with little flakes of ribeye? Or do you order ribeye seasoned with little flakes of salt and maybe a few other spices if you're really fancy, like, you know, s- smoked paprika is a wonderful choice, okay? Which is it? I mean, it's a joke, right? We, we know. You choose the ribeye with a little bit of seasoning, When you finish that ribeye on the grill, can you even see the seasoning most of the time? No. But when you take a bite, can you taste it? Yes. What happens if there's too much seasoning? You spit it out, and you might even lose your appetite. Listen very carefully. The recipe cannot be all about us, and our way of doing things, seasoned with little flakes of Jesus. The recipe must be, it must be all about Jesus. And we season it with little flakes, different strategies based on how the Holy Spirit leads us, not our brilliant ideas. Okay, the recipe must be that. And please don't take my word for it. My brother's a much better cook than I am. Please don't take my word for it. we got to look at God's word. Colossians 4, starting in verse 5. It says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Say it with me. One, two, three. Toward outsiders. Making the best use of the time. Let's stop right there. So, we're not walking away. We're not shutting ourselves in our homes or our churches. We're not arguing online. We're not protesting. We're not avoiding. We're walking toward outsiders. Why? Because this is the best use of our time. Like it could not be more clear than that. Verse six let your speech, so that's what we're going to do. Verse six is our attitude, our mindset. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So we cannot let our strategy, our lingo, our way of doing things get in the way of what Jesus is trying to do in a particular situation or in a given person's life. We certainly never water down the truth because Jesus never did. but when working alongside other churches, other religions, organizations, businesses, government, it's important that we know our audience and we try to connect with them and engage with them accordingly. This is what collaboration, despite differences, is all about. It's what it actually looks like. I'm obsessed right now with um, a study Bible that I got for Christmas. It's called an archaeology study Bible. um, all of the notes are, like, very historical, and, and they, they kind of connect archaeological finds to the writings of the Bible to kind of strengthen your faith And that, hey, we've actually found this stuff. It's not just a story that somebody made up. And when I looked up Colossians 4, 5, and 6, and I read the note for it, it actually ties back to what I said earlier about how salt was a currency. This is so cool. It it said one reason why salt was a form of currency was because salt was the most widely available spice throughout the year for people of all economic levels, okay? And as soon as I read that, in the instant I read that, the Holy Spirit spoke so clearly to me and he asked me and he's asking you today. He's asking all of us, are we the most widely available all the time? to all people. That's what salt is. Is it possible that's why Jesus compared us to salt? Jesus was the ultimate example of this. He made sure they all belonged. Because if he, as the Son of God, desired a relationship with his children, but would not allow them to belong, would not allow them into his presence, how could they possibly know him? He even had time for the Pharisees, people who were utterly convinced that he most definitely was not the son of God. Jesus allowed all people to come to him, but he also went to them. Kip talked about this, this was so cool. Please go back and listen to that message. This was one of his the strongest things he's ever taught us on. That Samaritan woman at the well, he went to her. He moved into her neighborhood because he wanted all people to know that he came to them and for them. They did not have to figure out a way to get to him. He came to them and for all of them. He was making himself the most widely available to all people all the time. And as a church, we are doing that right now. Many of us on the team have a good friend who's a Muslim from Iran. Now, on paper, this is a classic us versus them situation. You have the US versus Iran. You have Christians versus Muslims. And I don't care what channel you go to. I don't care what publication you read. If you're looking for those subjects, it is like most definitely going to be negative but allow me to direct your attention to a different channel for a minute, hopefully permanently, actually. Let's just focus on this channel for a while. His wife is a Christian, and she comes to this church regularly. He has come, as far as I know, one time on Sunday. So that means if many of us are friends with him that 99% of his interactions with church 214 are, actually occur outside of Sunday mornings and just in the context of hanging out with people and guys this is forever going to be my first example I give when we try to explain to anyone why what happens on Sunday morning is just really not that important compared to the other 6 days of the week his wife and he and his wife, they love having us into their home and serving traditional Persian meals, and they're amazing. And I am so, I am utterly convinced that he loves this church. In fact, he loves this church so much that he has stepped forward and volunteered to use his technical giftings and his leadership giftings to be a foreman on our renovation teams <laughs> at 3070. <laughs> That makes no sense. That should make no sense to us. But God, right? Think about that for a second. A Muslim was loved enough, he belonged with us enough, that he came forward and said, I want to help build the house of God. A man from Iran building the house of God, kind of like King Cyrus, who was also from Iran. Come on. You cannot write this stuff. You can't make it up. Number one, salt is a preservative. Number two, salt adds flavor. Number three, salt stimulates thirst. I'm almost done. The woman at the well that Kip talked about. Go back and read the passage carefully. Jesus didn't ask her if she believed. He made sure that she belonged and led her to believe. First, he acted like a preservative. He came to her. He moved into her neighborhood to stop her going down the path that she was on. He stopped the decay. Step one. Then, in his wisdom, step two, He was kind and spoke graciously to her. He knew how to connect with her. He seasoned his words with salt, adding flavor, while still declaring the truth to her about her sin and the truth about himself. Got to have both. Truth and love. And that appealed to her thirst he offered her living water such that she would never thirst again. Friends, when we follow this model that Jesus laid out for us, we will see revival in the city of Peoria moves to another level. When we neighborhood as a preservative to stop the decay and then add flavor by walking towards people with wisdom and speaking kindly and graciously to them. Making them belong. And once they taste something different, they thirst for more of his presence. And what was once a downward spiral is reversed into an upward spiral of preservation, flavor, and thirst. Preservation, flavor, and thirst. Preservation, flavor, and thirst. This is what happens when we move from us versus them to us. And them. And I'm so glad that our church is already sort of organically doing this. I've got three quick examples a couple of years ago. family very close to the some church was hurting and we gave them a stupid amount of money to help we gave them love and comfort and leadership advice and some old equipment Some would say it was reckless. We could have used that money to get 307 Oak earlier. Wrong decision. That would have been the wrong decision. Because the gathering church is alive and well today. In their neighborhood, in Stark County, in the middle of some cornfields north of Peoria, alive and well. And we're currently a home away from home for the team of Divergent City Church, who's getting ready to move into one of the poorest zip codes in the state of Illinois and all of the U.S. And like us, they have actually are working on buying a building themselves, an old school building that was falling apart as it lay empty. But they're going in and they're going to apply some energy to that system, to that neighborhood, to that zip code. And we will support them financially. We already have. We will support them with love and encouragement and be a place of refreshment for them. And they're actually not too far away from where 307 we are going to be neighbors in a way. And I cannot wait. Yeah. Cannot wait. And number three, I already mentioned it. We have a Muslim leading the renovation at 307 Oak. And, and that's all I have time for because there are so many other examples that I could give you. This is just the beginning. There's so much more to come, especially as we develop our relationships in the marketplace. As we step forward with renovations on 307 Oak, we're going to engage with the city of Peoria. Peoria for permits and parking guidelines and other things that I'm sure I'm leaving out. I'm just the worship director. Thankfully, I don't have to worry about all of that stuff. Thank you, Ike and Blake. I want to honor you for tackling that gargantuan task with so much courage and humility. Most people would look at at that situation say, yeah, well, that's just, that's just the mundane steps you have to go through to, to buy a building. It's like buying a house, right? But I can tell you that this church definitely does not believe that. We fully believe these are not steps to buy a building or renovate a building. They're interactions with people created in the image of God they divine appointments with people that God has placed in our path for some reason, and maybe it's a small reason. But it could be a really big reason. It could be an eternal reason. It could be a soul-saving reason. And some of them... Some of these people might be friends from the get-go. We certainly hope that's the case, but we know that some of them won't like us very much, at least in the beginning. And some of them will oppose us directly in the beginning. Just check out that Journal Star article and go to the comments. Opposition, opposition, opposition. That's okay. Okay. Doesn't really matter where they fall on the spectrum because God will accomplish exactly what He has called us to do. We just need to continue to step forward in wisdom toward outsiders. And if we can make those outsiders feel like they belong, whatever happens next will be good because we will have to say only God could have done that. Only God could have united us. And them, let's pray. (laughs) Jesus, what would we ever do without you? You are so kind to us, you've always been kind. You chase us down. And you make us your children. You fill us with your spirit and you give us gifts with which we continue to build your church. Gifts that we can use to walk toward outsiders. Thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for preserving us, even when we didn't want it, even when we didn't deserve it. Thank you for speaking graciously to us, adding flavor, seasoning your words with salt. And thank you for giving us living, living water so that we would never have to thirst again. Thank you for being the most widely available all the time to all of us, no matter what political party we connect with, no matter what church we go to, no matter what color of our skin, no matter what our lifestyle is. What tax bracket we fall in, what neighborhood we live in, and what last name we have, all you want is for us to be your children. So, God, as we step forward from this moment forward, give us the strength to resist the lies of the enemy, to abolish us versus them in our hearts. Renew our minds so that when we see somebody different than us, when we meet somebody Different than us. Our first instinct is to say, at least to ourselves in our spirit, you know what? That person belongs to. That person needs Jesus too. Because I do. I still do. And I always will. God, we cannot wait to see what you're going to do as you continue to unite us and them in the city of Peoria. In Jesus' name.